Welcome to High on Hearts, the podcast. I am Jessie Mae Wolf, your host, and I look forward to serving up your weekly dose of Heart Rise, all about empowering you to live and lead heart first. Hello, hello. I am very excited to welcome you all today to the show. I have a really exciting guest for you. One of my all-time favorite authors, speakers, and human beings on the planet. A very wise soul indeed and rebel heart, which we're going to get into. I'm going to be bringing on in just a moment, Jeff Brown. And just a little background for any of you who aren't familiar with his work. He's a former criminal lawyer and psychotherapist. Also the author of five popular books, Soul Shaping, A Journey of Self-Creation, Ascending with Both Feet on the Ground, Love It Forward, An Uncommon Bond, and Spiritual Graffiti. He's written for Good Morning America, appeared on hundreds of radio shows, popular presence on social media. His writings are frequently referenced by many, and he is truly a pioneer in all senses of the word. Um, I am so excited and honored to have you on the show, Jeff. You're a dear friend and just such a bright light on the planet. So welcome. Thanks, Jesse May. It's good to be with you, always. Always. I love it. You were one of the early day guests back in the days of Sunny Side Up. So it's fun to have you have you on as one of the first guests in my new Rebel Heart series. Cool. I'm honored. Yeah. So I'd love for, for you to contextualize a little bit. I mean, this the series really what we're what I'm bringing about here is really just sharing with the audience all the you know the different people who I have really been fortunate to to either collaborate with or work with or whose work I admire and appreciate who are really making an impact and innovating and and shaping things on the planet or or, or making you know blazing new trails and I really you speak so much to all of that. And I really admire your own journey, um, having really been such a brave heart on that path. So maybe just a little bit about how much, just to start, the, the conviction from having even shifted from being in you know law, criminal law, no less, to this, this soul journey that you're on right now um, and sort of what, how the heart played a role in that and how that sort of the courage or the standing in your conviction has driven the course of action. I know that's a big, broad question, but just speak mm-hmm. a little bit to that. Well, I, I think that, um, you know, the, not so much the impetus, but the place that I found what I call sacred purpose now um, and I think criminal law was intrinsic to that purpose at that stage of life and moving beyond criminal law into the work that I'm doing now is intrinsic to that. And, but I think almost all of it for me came through the emotional body. It wasn't a concept. It wasn't a notion of something. It, it was something that was embodied. Um, and to the extent that I could open myself emotionally to the awareness of path, to the transformation that had to occur to arrive at the next step on the journey, um, you know, I could move forward. I mean, I often say, and I'm writing a book primarily about this in Grounded Spirituality now, that emotional maturity and spiritual maturity are synonymous. Uh, They're the same thing. Um, I never understood a bifurcated or dissociative notion of spirituality that existed independent of selfhood. 
independent of the body, independent of the emotional body. Um, because I always advanced in my consciousness or deepened in my consciousness through the work that I did emotionally. Um, and so enheartenment really has been primarily my path. It's also been the way in which I've become more balanced uh, within my own gender conditioning and moving away from a, a patriarchal structure to a more towards a more inclusive consciousness. All of it came through my capacity to articulate my experience <laughs> and developing the ability to move my feelings through to transformation along the way. Um, so, uh, you know, when you talk about a heart rise movement, I don't understand spirituality as anything other than a heart rise movement. Oh, I love that. And I, I love, I mean, and it so speaks to all of what you do with your grounded spirituality. And I really want to dive into that and the intersection because I agree they're really, they're sort of synonymous and the congruence between them, you know, one can't really live without the other. I want to just sort of look at what point or just sort of explore a little bit, because this is something that I see coming up a lot in the work I'm doing and really working a lot with men and, and sort of the emotional blockages that so many men and women for that matter have. Mm -hmm. But at what point would you say you became cognizant of the emotional matter and how integral it was to moving and growing and, and all of that, which you're speaking to? I mean, probably when I tantrumed at the age of one and, and <laughs> all the way through to the age of 10. I mean, I seemed, I seemed to in, like the feeling that I had when I moved my frustrated feelings through to a, mm -hmm. a peaceful um, outcome. Um, mm -hmm. So I had a lot of experience as a little guy in this crazy house, <laughs> and I probably preserved the integrity of my being and, and maintained a degree of sanity. Um, really by moving into my emotional process. So, you know, in terms of the, this whole thing called spirituality, I mean, I kind of walked into that conditioning around what it means to be an enlightened being or to study spirituality the way many of us did by accepting that what I now understand is sort of patriarchal hand downs in terms of what spirituality was or patriarchal defining of it, you know, that really uh, I bought into all of it, you know, meditation is the path and, you know, all of these notions of what it means to be a spiritual being. So I think only in the last couple of years have I really finally been able to language and make sense of and understand that what I'm calling spirituality is not what they're calling spirituality, not what we've been calling spirituality. And that what I'm calling spirituality is again, indistinguishable from the work we do within the emotional body itself. So I was a highly feeling based kid. Um, hmm. But now I'm really understanding how um, necessary that was if I was going to find my path of sacred purpose, particularly this one, and to actually be able to embody it and bring it out into the world. It's, to me, it's all about feeling. If, you're not, if your version of, say, spirituality is something bereft of feeling, in my view, you're not here, you're not now, you're not present. That's why many of them who talk about the now sound very much like they're in... Um, they're sort of like automatons. It's because their mm -hmm. definition of spirituality is bereft of selfhood. It's you know, right. split between humanness and spirituality. Patriarchy did that. Um, my work right. now is to try to bring all of this together so that when we talk about oneness we're, and we talk about something called non-duality, we're actually talking about something that includes the story of the body, the emotional body, your personal identifications. All of that is fundamental to what it means to be a spiritual or what Alexander Lowell would have called a spirited being. Mm, I love that. And I could not agree more. When, at what point do you sense, because I, I, I see this all the time and I agree that the, the sort of the heart 
and the emotional matter and the emotional resolve and intelligence, all of it gets lost in translation or discarded altogether as you speak to. Why do you, what is your take on why we're so afraid of the heart? I mean, I, even the word, sometimes people are just so put off or so afraid to even get near it. So what's your take on all of it as far as why? I mean, it's obviously you're speaking to it when you reference the patriarchy, but more specific, where do you feel that that stems from and how can we start in our own lives now to, and obviously you're addressing it in your work, but just to speak to that a little more. Well, I think that, you know, we're coming from a survivalist structure. So we've defined who we are by what puts food on the table, you know, by whatever yeah. ad adaptations or disguises we needed to employ in order to stay alive. And success was defined as your effectiveness at staying alive. So the rich guy was more successful because he was more capable of, you know, keeping away from um, horrible outcomes. He was able to preserve and secure and all the rest of it. And, you know, we're seeing that a lot now in the U.S. We're seeing kind of the dark side of survivalism as opposed to the grounded and healthy version of it because we all have to survive and take care of business and all the rest of it. And I think that what, what you're encountering probably often with working with men and with women is that armored consciousness is intrinsic to survivalism because without it, you can't get through harsh realities. You need to be able to armor up and you need to be able to toughen up and you need to be able to aggress and assert. And so, and that's fine to a, an extent, but if it becomes all that we are, then we have a problem because the closing of the heart, which is intrinsic to the armoring of our consciousness, to the extent that we close our heart, we may be able to survive, but we're not actually here. Um, yeah. So the next step, and I think the work you're doing is, you know, we're at the beginning of this bridge crossing um, mm -hmm. towards a more authentic consciousness where we define who we are, not simply by what puts food on the table, but by deference to who we are and how we feel and what calls us and what our purpose is in this lifetime. And that is a huge, hugely different reality than the survivalist world. Um, and now we have a war. You're seeing it lived out in the US the most obvious ways between the dark side of survivalism and a progressive, inclusive or authentic consciousness that's trying to march forward and, and is getting pulled back, at least appears to be getting pulled back for the moment. Um, but I think that's what it is. So. If we're going to move towards a more enheartened or authentic or dropped in or deeply connected consciousness, it's going to take a long time because the structures of our society are built around survivalism. Right. That's why so many people want to open and then they go, yeah, but I can't function at work or, oh, I want to quit my job and find my true path, but I don't know how to make a living because society is not set up for this yet. You know, it's, right. you have to be able to bridge these two realities as you move towards the new one. And those who couldn't, those who bought into the secret and the notion of asking the universe for what you want, you get it, and then lost the ground beneath their feet and ended up with nothing. They weren't bridging the book to reality. We're still living in a survivalist world. We have to always understand that and then move as incrementally and sustainably as we can towards a more heartfelt, authentic consciousness. Mm. Love it. Yes. Music to my heart. I could not agree more. And I, you know, that bridge piece and, and the heart is such a powerful bridge. And let me just say, if I could, that, that, that yeah. one, of, one of the reason, the linkage for me between, say, unconscionable capitalism, so not capitalism, not conscious capitalism, that's an authentic structure, unconscionable capitalism, and say the bifurcated, dissociative versions of spirituality we've been fed by the patriarchy, to me, it's the same. Because one of them is focused on personal mastery, some bullshit notion of enlightenment, complete unawareness of anything outside of its own 
self-centered, although anti-self version of heightened <laughs> I mean, that's the irony and joke of it. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, the unconscionable capital, the Trumps of the world are really focusing on personal achievement um, at the expense of any awareness of anything horizontal, the earth, other humans outside of themselves. To me, they're very similar, even though they sound very, very different. One sounds very noisy and bombastic. One sounds very calm and peaceful. But to me, both of them are bereft of self, healthy selfhood, bereft of healthy ego, and bereft of, re of the relational field and connectiveness. And, you know, to me, this is why I, politics and spirit, it's all the same to me. If we're going to have yeah. all, it's all the same, we have to move in the direction of the authentic consciousness in all of these parts of our world. Um, otherwise, uh, we're doomed. I mean, I think that's obvious to, in terms of what's happening now that the species is really at risk because we have to move away from a vertical uh, consciousness in the direction of a horizontal one and one that's dropped in. Mm, I love it. Yes. And I, I certainly, I mean, I, I absolutely amplify everything you're sharing and, you know, and what comes up for me as I'm listening and, and such an integral part of the work I do as well is just how much the sort of the art. And I like to say the heart of relationship is such a key piece because so much of what gets lost in translation in that sort of bypass version of spirituality or the two versions you describe one that's more egoic and one that sort of trans you know seems a certain way but is still masquerading right um what what do you how do you sort of speak or just share a little bit around the power of relationship to to be a safe container for the kind of heart healing that needs to happen. Because I mean, I am, I'm really an advocate for, you know, just human experience. And, and I know we both sort of speak to that, but just the whole, our human interaction and, you know, how being even just able to dialogue and communicate in a healthy way, I see this as a fundamental problem now with, especially in the advent of technology and, you know, social media and, and so many people hiding behind screens and, there's the connection piece and the relational piece, how that relates to this bigger conversation. I mean, you know, I, I don't uh, distinguish relationship, the relational field from my notion of sacred purpose. Uh, we're always growing in relation to something, even those who are seemingly uninterested in the relational field and completely pursuing of the unhealthy ego are usually prompted by or motivated by some overcompensatory response to something that happened to <laughs> relationally, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever mm -hmm. happened to Trump, something happened relationally to him that makes that ego so big and unhealthy that even the presidency can't fill it. I mean, so this right. is, even though <laughs> right. it's about self-pursuit and this persistent need to actualize the unhealthy ego, it's still relationally driven. I mean, I think we need, you know, I, I had a recent conversation with a guy named Jason Diggs, who's doing the, uh, one of the people doing the authentic relating work out there. And I mean, we have never, ever had authentic, healthy, uh, relate, uh, dynamic uh, yeah. model to us. I mean, I, God knows I didn't grow up with it. I grew up with the opposite of that. And yeah. I think we're just at the very, very beginning of it, Jesse May. I mean, I, I, you know, I think we're at, it's all most of us can do to figure out who the hell we are. Um, yeah let alone try to figure out how to relate to another human and all of whatever they are. Um, right. And I think we need all, you know, one of the things I, you know, I didn't write, I'm not writing grounded spirituality because I think I got all the answers. I just feel as though I want to lean in a direction and encourage others to take it farther because we need models of relatedness. Yes. We need models of embodied spirituality. We need yes. people you who are doing hard work to call yourself you know, spiritual warriors. What you're doing is spiritual work. This is, there's no separation 
yeah. psychotherapy and spirituality, you know, the, the, the closest thing to a spiritual teacher I've ever met was Alexander Lowen, who was a body-centered psychotherapist, because he was more effective at taking me into the everything than any bullshit spiritual teacher out there, no matter how heightened they claim to be. Um, right. So I think we need models for all of these things. And it's a really brilliantly exciting time to encourage mm -hmm. all people and young people to start thinking about developing models for what we call broadly, what I would call spirituality, which means reality to me. It's not a, it's not a perfecting of a singular thread like a master. I call that masturbation in this book. Like it's really yeah. about finally being able to bring it all together. And this isn't, you know, you're, all they got to do is turn on the news and watch and they can see the antithesis of what's working right in front of them. Um, right. And so let's get to work and start crafting models of relatedness so that people in the future generations actually know what it's like to have a heart centered, respectful, well boundary conversation because most of us don't. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, as I'm listening to you, one of the things that keeps coming up too that I see again a lot that's so pervasive, and I think one of the fundamental reasons most people struggle is this, we're afraid to be honest about our feelings. So it, it comes back to certainly the heart-centered piece, but I think that the honesty as well, um, when we really look at, and there's crazy statistics out there too about how many people are actually honest about a lot of things. And it's quite frightening how much we've, you know, disguised ourselves from who we fundamentally are, which you're speaking to, and then how we show up with others, you know, in all of those, as you say, dynamic relationships. And well, I think that well, survivalism has nothing to do with honesty. I mean, survivalism right. is just about yeah. doing whatever the fuck you have to do to yeah. get to the day. It's yeah. got nothing for the win. Yeah. Nothing yeah. else. Nothing yeah. else matters in that structure. Yeah. That's yeah. the structure we come from. And then, yeah. you know, people began to develop this idea there could be some integrity in the field of survivalism. And so some people accepted that to some extent, and other people, as we know, absolutely didn't care about that at all. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and that dinosauric consciousness. So, Right. I and mean, it's, a, it's ruthless, and it's, it's so primal that it's, it misses that whole, you know, everything in between, as you're, as you're saying, because... Yeah. Honesty is so nuanced. I mean, it's so potent, but it's so nuanced. And without it, there's not a whole lot of healing or proper or, or natural connection that can possibly happen, right? I mean, it's sort of like the, the seed to any sort of real growth or connection that can be meaningful or authentic, as you say. I mean, we have such a layered, shame-ridden consciousness that to yeah. even access this thing called truth. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, truth is the gateway to the moment, but... But do we know what that looks like? Do we, have we been encouraged to excavate that which is true? And what do we even mean by that? I mean, so I start with what I do understand, which is the truth of sacred purpose. What lives in my bones? Why am I here? What calls me? What's encoded? What indicators? You know, and, and then I look to this thing called truth aches, which are indicators that I'm off path. You know, right. Not a language I learned in primary school, and it's not a language mostly anyone learns. <laughs> right. So we... We need new language to begin need, to talk about. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I think that the truth, I mean, truth and honesty goes so much hand in hand because it's, it actually is a vibrational resonance. It's a, it's a freak. Right. We can actually feel it, right? We can sense yeah. it, but most of us are so out of touch with that right. that it's we don't body. even, right. Yeah. It's totally embodied. It's so embodied. For, you, get, you get those little chills when you find yeah. the truth. Your body is telling you, yes, I know yeah. what truth is. And I know that you just expressed it and I'm telling you thank you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's like your this notion of heart rise or heart deepening or however we want to language it. Mm -hmm. 
to separate our notion from truth from enheartenment is the biggest mistake because really right. it's the heart that knows the truth and it's That's the, right. the body that know the truth. We're going to figure out the truth. It's like I had this cousin who used to contact me all the time and he wanted to talk through these decisions and relationship and his working <laughs> life talking and go on and on and on in his head. And I would say, well, how do you feel? He goes, and he'd yeah. start his next sentence. Well, well, I think. And it was like, couldn't get anywhere. <laughs> I love that you're bringing that up because often when, when I do circle, I mean, I'll, I, at the end, everybody will share. And even if it's a word or a couple of words, depending on the, the context and how long, but it's rare. But once in a while, someone will say, I think. But for the most part, it's really drawing from the what the feeling expression is. And we're so ill at ease, you know, primarily to begin with, for most who haven't had the experience or the opportunity to actually speak their truth or come from that feeling place, it's very unfamiliar, which is, you know, and, and I think as a starting point, and I want to sort of segue a little bit into that space, how one listening might begin or how you might suggest, I love what you, what you spoke to around the truth piece and sort of uncovering the sacred purpose, but what might be just even a few inspiring suggestions for anyone listening who is vibing with what you're saying and wanting to cultivate more of a, you know, sacred purpose driven path or wanting to shift gears and how might you suggest, or just even to give a little bit of guidance around that. Yeah. I mean, if they can afford it, uh, if they can do some somatic or body centered psychotherapeutic work, bioenergetics, core energetics, somatic experiencing Peter Levine's work, something that finally gives them an experience of peeling away the armor that obstructs their access to their truth um, and that teaches them how to hold the space for their truth for longer and longer periods of time. You know, truth is a big deal. I mean, it's, it, we're talking about the ability to access the moment vulnerably, to truly be deeply open and unarmored. This is a huge step for the collective on so yeah. many levels, um, especially if you then want to be able to integrate that capacity to open with uh, surviving in this in society itself. So somatic psychotherapies are helpful if you can afford to do those. Um, you know, and I have an excavation meditation in the ground spirituality book that I'm trying to craft and create the kind of work that you're doing. So, you know, going to places where there's a safe container, which mm -hmm. is so important when you begin to open that, which hasn't been opened before, or at least hasn't been opened since childhood. Because if there's not a safe container and a practitioner who knows how to handle it, and if you're dealing with an unconscionable spiritual teacher, any of that, it is deadly re-traumatizing and dangerous. So we, we need more people trained in handling trauma since mm -hmm. we are all trauma survivors to one extent. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the important steps. The other is mm -hmm. what I call solitude and soul shaping, which is, you know, to find, especially nowadays, and years ago it was easier, at least I found it easier, to create a, a time and a space that was separate from my involvement and anything independent and uh, mm. outside of myself to be able to spend time peeling away the layers and coming into contact with your center. Um, this has become very difficult. And now we are really ripe for the picking from the unconscious uh, capitalistic structures because we're so damn uncentered and trapped in this technological yeah. world. And so you got to really defiantly and fiercely put up a boundary around your time and book off time where you can go into nature or go into your house, whatever works for you and just be and go into the shower and let the shower water fall in your head, lock the door and just spend time trying to connect to whatever your center is trying to say about how you're living and how you're feeling and what you need to move and what direction mm. you need to go. 
because it, it, we better start doing it now because the pace is quickening and it's yeah. going harder and harder to be anything other than controlled by the system because if we don't have a center, they've got us. That's right. And there's, and it's, we're so heavily already distracted that it's only, yeah, as you say, quickening. Yeah. I love that. Creating that sacred space, creating safe containers. These are all really important notions. I want to be mindful and heartful of the time. So I want to just speak a little bit about grounded spirituality, which you have been already so beautifully and so articulately. And I need all listeners to know your way with words and language is supreme. And I'm sure everyone's getting a taste just from the way you speak and share, but your written word is ninja like no other. And really you've got such a way with words. So would you speak a little bit to, I mean, you have been, but the book itself and, and why, why now, which you again have been sharing, but a little yeah. bit more and when, when everyone can expect to get their hands on it. Yeah. So grounded spirituality is it's up on Amazon for pre-order. I think we're going to move the date till like March 1st, something like that. I might be out sooner. They can go to stores and, and they can ask the store to order it through Ingram distribution or new leaf also. Uh, you know, I feel, I mean, it's been a hard book to write because I'm, I'm ready to move in another direction away from long book writing um, now, but it feels like it was an essential book to write. I feel like, you know, my book, An Uncommon Bond, I feel like it's a little bit of a step ahead of the culture. Yeah. I feel like grounded spirituality meets the culture right where it needs, where it is right now. Um, because I think we really are ready to deconstruct what we've been called as spirituality because it's too dissociative and it's just not working, especially for trauma survivors who don't need fragmented spiritualities. They need integrating spiritualities. Um, and so in the book, I kind of look, go through and deconstruct some of the familiar spiritualities uh, that are out there. And then I do a 12 chapter dialogue with what I would call an ungrounded seeker who's wanting to move in a different direction where I have a chance to put forth all my views and to try to move him in the direction of a more integrated, inclusive consciousness. Um, and uh, he's a guy, his name is Michael. He lives in Toronto. He was from Indiana. He moved to California. I mean, there's a whole story around it. You know, I didn't want to do a toll I didn't power now. I didn't want to do sort of an objective, impersonal q and I It mm -hmm. didn't make sense based on what I'm communicating. So, and for me as a writer, it was a lot juicier to sort of feel like I'm engaging relationally with somebody. So now I have engaged relationally with this guy. He doesn't even really exist, but I feel like I miss him already. <laughs> I love it. So it's a personal relational journey yeah. that someone can really relate to. Oh, he, I love that. Putting up his story about what spirituality is, telling me that I'm wrong, and I keep putting up mine and, you know, leading him into his body, and he resists and moves in and resists and moves in. And, and you know, I won't say any more, but we, we see what we have to learn from one another. Ah, I love it. That's so fabulous. So really everyone, please check it out. What's the best way they can find you? Uh, soulshaping.com is the main website. Um, soulshapinginstitute.com. I have a real popular writing course coming up in a couple of weeks that I do twice a year. Um, and it, I made a film, Carmageddon, with Bhagavan Das, Ram Das, Sean Korn, etc. at carmageddonthemovie.com as well. Love it. And his spiritual graffiti is all over the interwebs. So definitely go and follow him on Instagram and Facebook, Jeff Brown, soul shaping. I have to say, Jeff, such a pleasure as always. I'm impressed that we managed to keep it within the pocket. Uh, I wanted to just give everyone a real taste of your big, beautiful, brave heart. And um, thank you for the work you're doing. You're really a gift to all who 
cross your path and uh, I'm excited for listeners who aren't familiar and those who are to check out everything you're sharing right now. So thank you. Thank you, Jesse May. Thank you so much for joining us this week for this edition of High on Heart. I am Jesse May Wolf. If you enjoyed the show, please pass it along, share it with someone you love, and come find us online at heartrisemovement.com on all the social networks, and we look forward to connecting with you in all the ways we do. Your radiance is contagious. Contagious.